Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you guys, and uh, glad you are here uh, to worship together uh, as God's people with God's people uh, at Redemption Church uh, here in Augusta. Uh, if you're a guest, we welcome you. Um, we are glad that uh, you have chosen to be here this morning to worship together, and hope that um, uh, that God will indeed engage your mind and hearts. And uh, and so we're we're glad you're here. We're going through a series uh, this summer, and we'll be concluding it in the next couple of weeks. That we're calling "Are You Serious." And we're looking at various facets of the Christian faith, uh, you know, Christian rhythms, uh, as, as it were, uh, and, and kind of asking ourselves that personal question, are you serious about the faith? Are you serious about Christian community? Are you serious about prayer? Uh, today we're looking at, are you serious about the Bible? And uh, it is my hope and prayer, as we've been uh, leading up to uh, this day, is that we would um, come humbly as God's people, uh, we welcome you here with your doubts, with your fears, with your pride, with your skepticism, uh, with your cynicism, whatever it may be. Uh, God has brought us here to hear a word about him from his word. And so I'm glad you're here. And so uh, don't feel like you have to uh, put on any kind of facade or you have it all together. Bring your questions uh, today and bring your Doubts, And uh, let's just hear what God has to say from his word. It's my hope and prayer that after our time together, we'll have a better picture of who Christ is and then who we are uh, because of who he is and what he's done. So um, turn to the book of Acts chapter 2, where we'll be. And uh, let me pray and ask God to bless our time in his word this morning. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you uh, for who you are and what you've done for us. A God that you're this amazing, mighty God creator that you are a father and sustainer. Christ, that you are our rescuer and savior. And Holy Spirit, that you dwell uh, in and with your people, giving us an understanding of the greatness of Christ and transforming our identity from the inside out, washing us clean from our sins and failures and shortcomings and, and renewing us to be a new people together, stewarding this good news. So God, I pray that over the next few minutes as we open your word, that you would indeed um, give us an understanding in our minds and, and give us tender hearts to receive the good news, that you would change us as people, as individuals, as couples, as families, as friends, as a, uh, as a community together, as a church, and that you would, by your grace and for your glory, use uh, this community uh, to steward the good news to every part of this city and indeed the world. God, we thank you that you're a good God, uh, and we thank you for our time. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2. Verse 42 may be a familiar passage of Scripture to you. Uh, we frequent it often here at this church um, because there's so much here. But let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Today we ask, are you serious about the Bible? And first I want to ask this question. Uh, who or what in your life has your utmost devotion? 
I mean, we're all devoted to someone or something. So what is it for you or who is it for you that just captures your utmost devotion? I mean, it, it may be a relationship. Maybe, uh, you know, you're, maybe you're married. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's somebody you're dating. Maybe it's some friends. Uh, maybe it's uh, a season of life you're in. Maybe you're in school and you're, you're devoted to your studies. Or maybe it's your job. You're working hard. You're devoted to your business. And these are all good things. We all find ourselves devoted to something. Devotion, uh, by definition, is an, an ongoing giving of oneself. Devotion means steadfast dedication. And devotion can take different forms in our culture, and devotion is, is good. If you're married, you're to be devoted to your wife and to your uh, family. If you're a man and if you're a woman, you're to be devoted to your husband and devoted to your children. As a Christian community, we're to be devoted to each other. If you're starting a business, of course, you should be devoted and, uh, to your business. And often what good indicators are to find what you're devoted to, you, maybe you're thinking, I don't, I don't really know what I'm devoted to. Think about where you spend most of your time and energy and maybe where you uh, invest most of your resources. What is it that dominates your calendar? That's a good indication of what you are devoted to. Now today we look in Scripture and we see a picture of the early church in the book of Acts. Jesus had lived and taught, did miracles. He died. He rose again. He appeared to his disciples and then commissioned them out with the good news. And then he ascended back to heaven. And so in the book of Acts, we see the uh, first Christians, the apostles, sent out with this good news. They start uh, scattering to the known world, preaching the gospel, uh, gathering people, planting churches. And here is one instance of, of a description of what this early Christian community looked like. They'd seen Jesus, they've heard his good news, and, and here they are gathered together. And Scripture says in verse 42, they, are, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We see the early Christian church were devoted to the apostles' teaching. You see, what happens here is we see that, that there is a uh, shift of attention and affection when you have an encounter with Christ. Your attention is, uh, although you may be uh, devoted to other things in life, your utmost devotion is shifted. Your affection, though you may, you may have affection for other people and other, and other things and situations in your life, your utmost affection is Christward with each other, revealed through Christ's word. So we see here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So I want us to look today as we ask, are you serious about the Bible? We're going to ask what, what the teaching is that the apostles had here. I mean, if early Christians gathered together and they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles, what, what is that? We should probably ask, right? And this is where you come in maybe with preconceived ideas of what the apostles' teaching is or what the Bible is. Because we know... For certain, what was going on is the apostles were teaching who Christ is and what he's done and what came to be known as the New Testament. And they were tying in how God fulfilled his promises from the Old Testament for his people. So what we know the apostles were teaching was what we have as the Old and New Testament of the Bible. But here's where we have our hang-ups and misunderstandings. When I say the word teaching, what comes to mind? Because often when we look at the Bible, we have a misunderstanding of what the purpose of the Bible is, even when I say teaching or the Bible. 
Right? Many of us come in here thinking the Bible is a collection of great moral tales so that when you read the Bible, you think, wow, Abraham had faith, be like Abraham. Or David was brave, be like David. Samson was strong, be strong like Samson. But we also find that those same guys were fickle in their faith. They were adulterers and murderers. Sometimes we look at the Bible and the teaching of the Bible is information about moral heroes. And sometimes we approach the Bible, the teaching of Scripture, as kind of a moral to-do list, right? Sometimes we forget the information of the Bible. We look toward only the application where we're like, what must I do? And, and we kind of operate out of fear thinking, I need to do this checklist, otherwise God won't love me. I need to do this checklist, otherwise Jesus will not accept me. And we operate out of fear thinking that the Bible is primarily about what you must do. Now, we'll get to this in a second because, yes, there is instruction of how we are to live as God's people in the Bible that we are to obey. But we mustn't get the cart before the horse. And often I talk to folks about the Bible and they say, well, yeah, I know the Bible is good moral teaching and this is what you must do to be a better person and this is what you must do for God to love you and to change the world. But at its core, the Bible is not just about information. The Bible is not just about application, although it's part information, part application. Moreover, the Bible is about revelation and transformation. Revelation meaning a revealing of who Christ is and what he's done. And a transformation meaning how we as God's people are changed because of who Jesus is and what he's done. Are you with me? So when we look at the Bible, it's not only information about theology and people God used. It's not only about application, about what you must do, although it's part of it. It's moreover a revealing of who Christ is and what he's done and how we are changed because of who he is and what he's done. So as we look at scripture, as we look at the apostles' teaching, we know that teaching is a a doctrine, instruction. That's what the definition of teaching is. It's instruction of both the Old Testament and New Testament. It's, It's about God's history of work and his people And it's about who Jesus is and what he's done. So when we open the scriptures, it's not not information and application. It's the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And that excites me. And so when we look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see what happens when God's people gather around the scriptures. It says they are devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I love what happens next. Because if you stop there, you think, great, they're just a bunch of people with their noses in their Bible. No. (laughs) They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. That means they're together. They devoted themselves to studying Scripture together, like this, and in many other ways, right? To the breaking of bread and the prayers. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They had meals together. They celebrated the communion together. So for us today, when we look at this and say, okay, are you serious about the Bible? Are you taking the Bible serious as, a, as an individual, as a family, as a church? Are we serious about the Bible? I want us to see what God has for us when we are devoted to the teaching. Okay, I'm trying to connect the dots. From, are you serious about the Bible? No? Well, let's be devoted to the Scriptures and see what God does when we are devoted to the teaching. Right? If you are serious about the Bible, let's see what God has for us when we are devoted to Scripture together as a community and see what happens, right? That's what we're looking at today. So I'm going to break it down. I like the number three, so we're going to break it down three ways, right? 
Scripture, what it means to be devoted to the teaching, means to be devoted to the gospel revealed, the gospel applied, and the gospel proclaimed. Okay? To be devoted to the teaching, the scriptures of, of, of the apostles' teaching, right? Or what I think the essence of, of the first century church is, what I think the essence of what it means to be God's people, devoted to the teaching, devoted to scriptures, to be serious about the Bible is to be serious about the revealed gospel, the applied gospel, and the proclaimed gospel. Gospel meaning good news. Gospel meaning the scriptures that have revealed who Jesus is and what he's done for us and the subsequent transformation we have as people because of that. That's gospel. That's good news. So let's look at it, the first one. The gospel revealed. Scripture teaches us that all of scripture, the whole point of the Bible is to point to Jesus, who he is and what he's done on behalf of God's people. All of Scripture is to point to the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, what we refer to as the good news that God saves sinners. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That God saves sinners through the person and work of his son, Jesus. See, we look at Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? But we have to rewind a couple verses to see why they did that. Why did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking bread and prayers? If you rewind a couple verses, in fact, I encourage you today to read all of Acts 1 and 2 and just kind of connect those dots. You should do that today. It would take you 20 minutes. It would be great. Do that. If we rewind just a couple verses, we see what happened was Peter, the apostle who had spent years with Jesus, I mean, he had failed numerous times being rash with his words and actions, you know, that he was always smarting off and then he ends up denying Jesus, right? You know, that he was like, I'm going to defend Jesus. He gets out a sword, chops off a dude's ear. I love Peter. He's one of my favorite just rash disciples. I just connect with that guy. He had a foul mouth and just was just wacky, man. But we see what happens is Jesus commissions Peter with the other apostles, to steward the good news. To, to go to the known world and proclaim who Jesus is and what he's done for people. That God is saving sinners because of the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. We can go out and tell this good news that God is saving sinners. And they plant churches and they just go all over the place. They all, they all end up dying for their faith. But we see that Peter, once a denying, foul-mouthed fisherman, in Acts chapter 2, just God uses to be this amazing preacher. Just just oozing the good news of Jesus. Right? Because the gospel revealed is, is the is the anchor for why scripture exists. I mean the whole point of the Bible is not to whip you into shape. It's to tell you about your rescuer. It's to say, look, you can't fix yourself, but but let me tell you who saved you. That's what the Bible's about. That's the apostles' teaching at its core. And in Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter uh, stands up and and is is preaching, proclaiming this great news to a bunch of people, many of whom were devout, religious, smart people. And what he does is he connects the dots from their religious tradition, which was good, it wasn't bad, but the whole point of that tradition was to point them to Christ. Right? He doesn't step in and say, you guys are a bunch of fools with your old school traditions. Not at all. He says, look, uh, men of Judea, let me tell you about the Christ that these traditions are to point you to. He says, let me, let me tell you 
some great things from the Old Testament. Hundreds of years before, God had spoken through the prophet Joel and had spoken through the psalmists. And so Peter stands up and starts preaching the Old Testament to them. I mean, I love that. He doesn't just kick in the door and say, you wicked people, get it together. He doesn't stand up and say, you just need to believe this new guy, Jesus. He says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you, this God that you've been longing for to worship, this God that you've been studying about for generations and generations, the Old Testament that you meditate on, the Psalms that you sing in your family and in your worship, those are all about Jesus. And let me tell you. And so Peter stands up and starts preaching the prophet Joel. He starts preaching from the Psalms. He starts preaching all this stuff about their heritage with King David and and this anticipation, this expectation that God one day will restore the kingdom with a king. And this is so amazing. In verse 36, he, he gets to the end of his sermon. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, speaking of Jesus, God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And so there comes a point with the revealed gospel as as Peter is saying, look, all Joel, Psalms, your tradition, all of this, let it be known right now. Jesus, whom you crucified, is the Lord and Christ that all of this has been pointing to. And you've been waiting for hundreds of years for a king to come rescue rescue you. This is that king, Jesus. I mean, you read the scriptures saying, I want God to speak to me. God is speaking to you through Jesus right here, right now. Right? And so, so Peter stands up and proclaims this good news. God uses Peter's words as he's just saturated with the Holy Spirit, but he does so in, in partnership with Scripture, with teaching. That's important. Because you can't just get up and start rambling off stuff saying, I'm filled with the Spirit, and you start spraying just insanity. It's not what Peter does. Peter says, look, I'm just saturated with the Holy Spirit. I'm just, there's miracles happening, man. People are getting healed and dead people walking around and just craziness, right? But the revealed gospel, all of those things happen to kind of point us to Jesus, which is why Peter stands up and says, I mean, after, I mean, Peter's like healed people. I mean, he's seen some just awesome stuff, but he stands up and teaches from the scriptures, the Old Testament, to reveal who Christ is and what he's done. The end of his sermon, verse 36, know Christ Jesus. That's the whole point. He wants his brethren, his, the people that, I mean, he, the people that he shares geography with, the people that he shares a tradition with, the people that have some relational, probably some familial connection. I mean, there's probably somebody in these hundreds and thousands of people that he preaches. There's probably somebody that's a cousin. Like, man, that's my cousin Peter. <laughs> and Peter stands up and says, look, the whole point is that you know Christ Jesus. Peter is preaching to educated religious people. He's not trying to dupe anybody. He's trying to reveal to them everything they've expected. And it's such a beautiful story as you see what happens the rest of the book of Acts is this ongoing preaching of who Christ is and what he's done. And miracles happen to point to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit does amazing things through uh, people speaking in different languages to point to Jesus and uses a foul-mouthed fisherman to preach the good news of Scripture pointing to Jesus. See, at its core, the teaching of the apostles is helping us, the teaching of the apostles is to show the revealed Christ, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. In fact, in the book of Luke, and just before Jesus left, 
He says to his apostles in Luke 24, he says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You see, before Jesus left the earth, he told his apostles, Look, man, everything I'm teaching you, everything I'm doing is to fulfill the Old Testament. The law of Moses, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all that stuff, it's about Jesus. I'm going to fulfill those things. That's what he's saying. Uh, The law, the prophets, Joel is one of them who Peter preached about right here. The Psalms, all of those things point to Jesus. Jesus said so himself. And so when the apostles teach, to be devoted to the teaching means to be devoted to the Word of God. To be serious about the Bible is to open this Word and say, every word in here points to Christ. That's important. That's what it means to be serious Years later, in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16 has a solid statement about the Bible. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You see, all of Scripture is about Jesus and all of Scripture is, is breathed out by the Holy Spirit of God for our benefit, for our good. Have you ever been to an Easter egg hunt? I mean, think about maybe when you were a little kid and you went to an Easter egg hunt. Or maybe when you're an adult. <laughs> when Brother John was born around Easter, and so now that he's in his 20s and married, we still have Easter egg hunts at his birthday party. He's like, hey, John, here's your basket. He's like, come on. That's an aside. See, I love Easter egg hunts because the whole point of the Easter egg hunt is that something would be hidden kind of in sight so that you can find it. I mean, the whole point of an Easter egg hunt for a kid is not to make it hard for them to discourage them and say, dude, there's candy and eggs, but you'll never find them. Have fun. (laughs) Have you ever said that to a child, hand them a flowery basket and say, if you want my love and approval, you better find some eggs. You would never do that to a kid. I mean, the whole point is that some eggs would be scattered in such a way that your kids could find the eggs. And what's more important about finding the eggs, I mean, you don't just say, I found an egg. I mean, if it's a plastic egg, what do you do to it? I mean, you open that bad boy, right? You know inside there's going to be some sort of chocolate or jelly beans or sometimes we put quarters in there. That didn't happen when I was a kid, but man. In the same way, Scripture is a gift to you from God. Scripture, the Bible, the teaching that the apostles had here and what people were devoting themselves to is a gift from God. Scripture says uh, it's breathed out by the Holy Spirit of God himself. It, It is something for our benefit that God doesn't hide from us and say, figure it out if you want in, but rather he says, this is a gift for you. Pick it up. And you don't just pick it up and say, well, I got my Bible. No. What do you, you open it. Right? Just like a plastic egg full of jelly beans and malt milk balls and just chocolate. God's Word is a gift to you. And the whole purpose of it is not to be hard and mysterious and just... And some of it's difficult to understand, yes. But the whole purpose is that we would have it to open it 
so that Christ would reveal who he is and what he's done for you, for me, for us. God saves sinners. That's good news. Number two. See, Scripture, the teaching, the Bible is first about the gospel revealed. But secondly, it's about the gospel applied. Now, earlier I said it's not only about that, but it is about that a little. I mean, it's it's part of it. You can't jump in and say, what must I do? But rather, you must look and say, okay, who, who is this about? It's about Christ rescuing me. Awesome. Since he's rescued me, now what must I do? You with me? There's a difference. You can't approach the Bible saying, I need to do this to get loved and accepted and approved. No, 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 no. You, say, you have been rescued. You have been loved. You have been approved. You've been accepted. Now, here's what you must do. Huge difference. So, secondly, the gospel applied. It's not sufficient just to know the word, to know scripture, to know the teaching. We must apply it. What I love about this verse is it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what next? Fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. (laughs) And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's a lot of ands in there. And all of those ands are connected to the first descriptor that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. This is important. Do you see that? I mean, it's, a, it's, a, just, it's really a run-on sentence. Like in the, in the New Testament Greek, there's no periods, there's no verse numbers. It's just like the longest run-on sentence. You're like, dude, I get it. I mean, you could sum it up by saying, Scripture, I mean, God through Scripture changed everybody and everything forever. I mean, this is what happened there. These people were wrecked. They were like, wow, Jesus saved me. <laughs> Let's be different. Not so that God will accept us and approve of us and love us, but because he accepts us and approves us and loves us and has gathered us together. And this word is a gift to us. And so let's, let's, let's do this, man, together. You want to? Let's do it. It's exactly what happens here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and all of that other stuff happened. And friends, I know I was guilty of this myself in a season of life where I looked at this and said, I want to do that. I want to find, I mean, I was bitter, man, when I was in college. I, like, I, had a, I got my feelings hurt when I was in high school at a church. Wrote songs about it. I was like, you hurt my feelings. I'm going to start a band. You know what I mean? And go off and like play punk rock music. I was an angry, bitter teenager. Right? And what happened was years later, God like just, I don't know what, what happened. I mean, there was a miraculous moment. I became a Christian as a little kid, walked with the Lord until I was about 15, and then there was a day where I seriously just closed the Bible and put it on the shelf and walked away. Just walked away. Five years of just foolishness. I'm playing in a band, I'm out of town, I'm sitting on a beach at 3 in the morning in Panama City, Florida, just staring at the dark ocean, lonely, feeling like an idiot. And God did something. I mean, God was like, hey, you know all that stuff you read as a kid that you kind of dismissed in your cynical, bitter heart because some dude hurt your feelings at church? All that stuff is not about that dude. It's not about you. It's about me, man. I'm here to rescue you. This is not who you are. 
This is not how I've created you to be. You will never be fulfilled here. And I love you. And I'm taking you out of this. And he did. Right? And then for years I was trying to find a church that did this. And I still kind of had a little chip on my shoulder. I mean, if you've got, take me to lunch and within the course of an hour conversation, you'll see a little chip on my shoulder. God's still working on it. It's called sanctification. Spanctification. Just bam. Anyone. And for a couple, for, for about a year of my life, I church hopped because I was like, I want a church that does this. They need to do this. They need to do this better. And they need to do that. And all, and all the while, I mean, one day, just like God slapped me and said, man, you're looking to the wrong savior. You're looking for the wrong hero, man. Scripture's not about who those people are to serve you better and how you must do this and do that. Scripture's about me, Jesus, rescuing you. Okay. Thank you, Lord. And then he's like, now go plant a church. I'm like, please, no. So there comes a point where being devoted to the Scriptures, knowing is not enough. I mean, the whole point of knowing is that we apply it together in community. I mean, Jesus rescues us, He saves us, He gathers us together so that we can live this out. This is not a prescription of what we must do. Rather, it is a description of what happens when God's people are devoted to the Scriptures and God works by His Holy Spirit through His Word to change us. That's what this is. It's a description. It's what I want. I mean, I hope it's what you want. May we be open and prayerful that the Lord would do this. I would love it. I want nothing more for my wife and my kids and for you, my friends, is that we would people would read this and say, that sounds a lot like Redemption Church. Actually, they don't have to say that in there. It just sounds, that sounds a lot like that group of people that Jesus saved over there that happens to meet at Warren Road right now, but probably won't forever, but right now, that, the group of people, I don't even care about the name. Just, you know what I'm saying? James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I mean, the New Testament, James be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you hear something up here and you say, that sounds great, and you walk away not doing anything, I mean, if you read the word and the word says repent and believe and you say, no thanks, you're deceiving yourself. If you don't repent of sin, when scripture says repent of sin, you're deceiving yourself. If you don't believe the gospel, it's, you're deceiving yourself. I mean, it's like looking in the mirror and forgetting who you are what I did for about five, six years of my life until Jesus just slapped me and, with love and said, let me carry you home, you weak and wounded man. I'm so thankful for that day and every day since. <laughs> 1 Timothy 4.16 says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. There's a connection between the teaching of Scripture and yourself. Like, not just what you know and what you, what you have, but, but how you apply it, what you do, your life. Your life and your doctrine go together. The teaching and yourself together will save, Scripture says, yourself and your hearers. It's our hope and prayer is that we see hear evidence of a community worshiping together because of who God is and what he's done through his word by his spirit because of Jesus. So we have the gospel revealed in scripture. We have the gospel applied. And then third and finally, we have the gospel proclaimed. 
Because, friends, if you know the good news, it changes you. It changes how we live. And if you have the good news, you can't keep it in. And if you're keeping it in, I don't think you know the good news. I don't see how anybody could know the good news about Jesus and not tell anybody. Not, not have any evidence in your life by how you live that the good news is there. So the gospel is revealed through Scripture. The gospel is applied. We use Scripture to apply this gospel to change us, who we are. And, and God, by His Spirit, does that. And then, finally, the gospel is proclaimed. We see that Peter preaches this good news in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit gives understanding to the hearers. It's a miraculous thing the Holy Spirit does. It's not that Peter was a great speaker, I mean, actually, I don't think anybody's really that good of an orator ever, really. I mean, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that any of us can, like, fall in love with Jesus because of how some dude talks. I just, I, you know what I'm saying? You guys are all like, yeah, we're here at this church, amen. Fine, good. Good. If you walk away falling lo- more in love with Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit makes your heart love Jesus more. That's why. Thank God. <laughs> But we see in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches, the Holy Spirit gives understanding to the hearers. People start getting excited. They know who Jesus is. Jesus is like rescuing and saving people. And then verse 39, I mean, right before all this stuff happens, I, oh man, I just love it. It's going to, well, let's just back up to verse 38. Sorry. Peter said to them, okay, so Peter says, hey, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They said, Man, we hear the gospel. It's been revealed to us. We want to apply the gospel. We want to do something about it. Peter said to them, Repent. Repent. That means to turn from sin, turn from idols. It means to turn to Jesus. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive the gift of the promised Holy Spirit. That is such good news that needs to be proclaimed. The good news is that if you repent and you believe in Jesus, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? If you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Can you start like healing people's ears and like making dead people walk? If the Holy Spirit wanted to do that, sure. But probably what will happen, most likely how the Holy Spirit works in our day and age, we see, is that he will give you an understanding of Scripture. You will start reading the Scripture and say, this makes more sense to me now. You, you will be able to, to apply this to your life with grace and humble attitude and just thankfulness and joy. There will be joy in your heart, joy in your life, no matter what your circumstances. But man, my job is horrible. But Jesus saved me, and I'm trusting him to bring me through this mess. You'll start proclaiming the good news, right? You'll, I mean, you don't have to stand up and preach, but you can just like when you're at the water cooler at work and somebody says, hey, man, my wife left me. You can say, dude, I'm so sorry. And you can bring grace and comfort to that person, right? You can proclaim the good news of Jesus. When somebody says, man, I lost my job, I lost my family, I have no money, I have no social status, I'm 40, I don't know what to do with my life. You can pull that person aside and say, man, Christ loves you. Your identity and security is found not in who you are and what you've done, but who Christ is and what he's done for you. Or somebody that said, man, I can't believe I blew it. This weekend was the most debaucherous weekend I've ever had. You're not defined by that in Christ. You can proclaim the good news in so many good ways. That's what happens when you repent and believe and are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You are forgiven of your sins and the Holy Spirit is a gift from God to you and he dwells with you. And I love verse 39. makes me want to weep because I'm seeing this in my own house right now with my, one of my children. Just 
This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone who the Lord our God calls to Himself. Right? This promise is for you and your children and for those who are far off, everyone the Lord God calls to Himself. You know what's funny is this happened almost 2,000 years ago, and you know what's funny is those who are far off is us in Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you had like the clairvoyance, if you were like a, a first century Christian thinking, who's far off? Augusta, Georgia is about as far off as you can get from Israel, right? That's far off. And the Lord God is calling people to himself in this room, in my family right now, in our midst, in our city, and all over the globe, man. God's promises are true. So we proclaim this good news, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's done what he said he could do, and because of that we apply this good news to our lives by the Holy Spirit as we are being transformed to be more like Jesus who saved us. And we do that not personally and individually only, but we do that together, man, as a family, as a group of people. We hurt each other's feelings sometimes, that's okay. The Holy Spirit brings grace and repentance and hallelujah, right? And so God is doing something in our midst so that we are... We have the gospel revealed, we have the gospel applied, but then the gospel must be proclaimed. And so we must shout it from the rooftops because the promise is true for you and your children and those who are far off that if you repent and believe in Jesus Christ and you are baptized for the forgiveness of the sin, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that promise is true. That's a promise. It's a promise. We don't have to look at that and say, well, that would have been pretty cool. I'd love to see a History Channel documentary on that. And I have. You can borrow the DVDs. I love that kind of stuff. This is a true promise, man. I mean, do you believe it? Do you take the Bible? Are you serious about the Bible? Because if you're serious about the Bible and you read that, you'll say, man, I want to see evidences of God's promises coming true in my family. I want to believe that the Lord God is calling people to himself. Man, he is. Jesus saved my oldest daughter. Come next week and I'm going to dunk her right here. Hmm? Praise the Lord. I don't want to steal the thunder from next week, but that's just like the, what we're going to have happen next week. Come see my daughter get baptized. I had nothing, I seriously had nothing to do with it. That's the irony. Is the, Lord, the Lord just like awoke in my daughter's heart. <laughs> right? It's a promise he made right here. I mean, I've read that promise for years, and it's coming true in my family. I mean, are you looking for evidences of God's promise coming true in your family? Look for it. Pray for it. God promises he'll do it, right? See, it's our mission to proclaim this good news. Romans 10 says this, how, how will they call upon him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? That just means proclaiming. It doesn't mean putting on a tie and getting an iPad. I mean, it just means proclaiming. It means just telling, right? How will they hear without somebody preaching? Faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. What's the word of Christ? The Bible. Better be serious about it, man. It's the word of Christ. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, devote yourself, I like this, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. There's something important about us getting together and having the public reading of Scripture. I hope you read your Bible every day on your own. Please do. There are apps for that on your phone. There's no excuse why you shouldn't be reading the Bible every day. It's really not. If you need help with it, come talk to me. I'll give you a Bible. I'll help you get an app, whatever. But God uses us together in a community, the public reading of Scripture. It's just like, we need this, okay? 
So let's obey. Let's be serious and apply that good news to ourselves. Let's obey the scriptures and be devoted to the public reading of scripture. I, mean, I don't want to be too daring when I say this, but if a day ever comes that you walk into this room, wherever we are meeting as a church, if you ever walk into a worship gathering and this church is not reading the scripture at some point, just go ahead and leave because we've forgotten everything at that point. By God's grace, it'll never happen. That's kind of scary. <laughs> so to wrap it up, I'll say this. To be serious about the Bible, to be devoted to the teaching, means to understand that God, through His Word, reveals the Gospel. By His Word, we apply the Gospel to our lives, personally and in community. And the Scriptures are how we proclaim the Gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what He's done, that God saves sinners. Isn't that good news? I agree. So as we come to a time of response, as we close it out, I'll just say this. If you're here and you're not a believer, uh, I'm not trying to argue with you about the Bible. I just want you to know Jesus. And the only way that happens is if the Holy Spirit wakens your heart and mind and, and you start understanding the promises of God as revealed in Scripture. That's what I want for you. And so if you're not a believer, if you have cynical questions or skepticisms or fear, man, come talk to me. Or talk to somebody you trust in this room because we love you and the most important thing is that you know who Christ is and what he's done for you, that he has rescued you. That's the most important thing. Secondly, if you are a believer and primarily if you're a member of uh, Redemption Church, um, this is a time for us to really evaluate our personal view and use of the Bible um, because I know if you're, if you're like me, it's really easy to take it for granted and just let it sit on the shelf somewhere. But we have to understand that any time we open this word, it is, a, it is a face-to-face encounter with the living God. right? And by the Holy Spirit, through Scripture, we are being transformed to be more, more like Jesus. And he is growing us to be more like Christ together in a community. And we read Acts 2.42 and we say, man, I want to have a church like that. Well, you know how that happens? Devotion to the teaching. And that happens personally. We should, as we all are devoted to Scripture uh, personally and then together in a public setting, whether that be, uh, you know, a formal like worship gathering or a missional community like we have here, or just a couple of you guys hanging out, man. I mean, go grab coffee or a beer with a friend, and as you're sitting there, just say, "Hey, man, what are you reading in Scripture lately?" Dude, God, God has used that in amazing ways in my life lately. I have coffee with some guy, and he's like, hey, I read this verse the other day. Let me tell you how God used it. And I'm just like edified, just like listening to a friend of mine talk about the Bible. So do that. It's exciting. Um, so that's it. <laughs> As a church, may, may we be devoted to the teaching. May we be serious about the Bible, uh, because in, in and through it is the gospel revealed, the gospel applied, and the gospel proclaimed. And by God's grace, may the Spirit change us to uh, be this kind of people together uh, that are serious about uh, the the gospel. And may God do this for his glory and our joy, and that the good news may go forth. Uh, Let me pray. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. God, I thank you for our church family and friends that are gathered here this morning. Um, God, I pray that uh, by your grace and by your Holy Spirit, you would ever be opening our minds to understand the scriptures more and more. Uh, God, that you would be opening our hearts to receive the good news of who Christ is and what he's done. God, may we have a clear picture uh, of the identity of our rescuer, our savior. And God, may this bring about great joy and great worship within our hearts. May this bring about great boldness 
that we may do battle against sin, against Satan, against lies in our culture and lives personally. Um, And God, may this uh, wreck us to be a people passionate about the good news of Jesus. May we, uh, God, I pray you just give us wisdom and patience with each other and may we be bold to proclaim this good news. Um, God, just in one-on-one relationships and family and the work and school settings. God, in in group community settings, whether that be like missional communities or um, just through our neighborhoods, God, I mean, just the places we live, work, and play. Um, God, in in the larger church settings, whatever it may be, God, I pray that that we would see evidence of, uh, of you working in and through us so that we would indeed be people who are leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. And God, I pray that you would make that happen and that we would see it and have such great joy that you would get all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. We ask that you do this in Christ's name. Amen.